It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. God, we love you and we worship you for who you are. We thank you that you're present in our midst and even those that are watching online, we thank you that you're in the living room, you're in the kitchen, you're wherever they are and where the spirit of the Lord is, God, there is liberty, there is freedom. So spirit of the living God, what you do in these next few moments something that our fingerprints are nowhere on. God, would you reignite a fire that went out? Would you lift up the bowed down head? Would you be a mender of a broken heart? Would you renew purpose and mission and call? And God, when it's all over for somebody that doesn't know you, would you save? Would you set free? Would you draw closer? And Lord, we thank you that when it's all over, no praise will go to Faith Citadel or to any person. But the praise and the glory and the honor will go where it belongs, and that is to you, our Lord and our Savior. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord just another praise? Oh, come on, let's give Jesus just one more. may be seated in the presence of the Lord in 20 years there's probably been five and that's stretching it times that God has just said to me I I need you to say what I want you to say I don't care what you planned and I don't care what series you're in I need you to say what I'm telling you to say. And I begin today with some moments of confession. I'm so grateful for the Wilkses who were here who had a chance to know me in college before I got saved. And they saw the transformation. Whether y'all know it or not, your pastor could party. (laughs) And I would go to the frat parties and the college parties, and I would get down, and I mean, I would clear out the dance floor. I mean, it just, and the Lord got a hold of me. And didn't just become, I didn't become connected in some religious way. And I'm not saying that a connection in a religion, what is a religious way? I didn't just join a church and to say, you know, I guess I need to get my life right, I guess. And maybe I'm going to add God. (laughs) 
to my life. No. Jesus came and he um, turned my life around. And I don't know if you remember when you first got saved. But for people who got saved, it changed everything. And I remember going back to my dorm room and nobody, I didn't, I didn't have to have a course or a, a revival series about taking things that didn't honor God and throwing them out. I found anything that I owned that I knew Jesus wasn't pleased with and I threw it away. Back in those days, there were mixtapes. <laughs> and I knew that this mixtape was not honoring to God and I broke it and I knew that that poster God wouldn't want that in my dorm room, and I threw it away. Nobody had to tell me anything. I just knew that I needed to honor God, and I, I knew that I needed to know his word. So I sat down and began reading the Bible, and I read it from cover to cover multiple times. And then the Lord at Northwestern University, a school that my mom had saved up her entire life for me to attend, sending me to private Jesuit prep school, and now I'm at this elite educational university, and and then God says, I want you to preach the gospel. But God, hold on one second. My, my mother had plans. I mean, we got some money uh, in, in, in involved in this. And God says, I don't care nothing about your plans or your mama's plans or your money. I want you to preach the gospel. And then I began to preach the gospel. And uh, you all, um, I remember when I first started preaching, I didn't feel like I could preach. Because I went to a black college down in Texas after I left Northwestern, went to a black college where my pastor graduated, the new head of Rainbow Push uh, Coalition, uh, Dr. Freddie Haynes. He's also a graduate of Bishop College. Bishop College, they cranked out some of the nation's best preachers. And, and really what that meant is that they could hoop. Now, some of y'all don't know what that is, but in the black tradition, that's when you close that. I tried that one Sunday, and folks started leaving in groups. So, so I found myself too white-sounding to be accepted by black people, but too black-sounding to be accepted by white people. And I said, well, what kind of ministry am I going to have if, if I can't be pigeonholed into a category? And God said, I don't need you to concern yourself about that. I need you to get a burden that is from me. And I remember what it was like to be lost. I remember what it was like to have no hope in the world. And my mission and my call from day one has always been, and it doesn't mean, now listen, it doesn't mean that my call is your call. It doesn't mean that my burden is your burden. God gives each of us gifts according to his spirit. And those gifts determine, I believe, in many ways what we are anointed or purposed to do. Listen. So, so God gave me a burden for souls. A burden to have people that are far from God, that are lost, that don't know anything about him, to hear about him. To hear his word and, and maybe faith would arise and, and they can come to know him. And so you all, the journey began. And so in college, I remember going to South Dallas, and, and, and I had these weird and crazy methods even then. No one trained me on, like, 
how you, listen, how do you find lost people? It just amazes me when churches don't know where lost people are. Can I get you? They're in your house. We ain't got to figure, trying to figure where they at. They're in your house. You're married to one of them. You, that's one of your kids. Uh, where, where the lost people are? Anyway. Um, and, and so, but my burden were for folk who I knew were not going to come to a revival or come in a church building. My call were the people who were in their sin and liking it. <laughs> so how do I find those people? Well, I learned that the freaks come out at night. Don't look at me like that, y'all. Don't look at me like that. And, and since you got saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and go to bed at six, you have no idea what's happening in the world around you because now you're inoculated. You are preserved from sinners. So I knew that they were out at night and I knew where they were. Because when you were one, <laughs> you know where they were because you were a them. Amen, somebody. So in college, I went to South Dallas because that's where you don't go. As a matter of fact, Oak Cliff, South Dallas, they tell you, hey, if there's any place you don't go after dark, it's South Dallas. I'm like, that's where I'm going. So I would go to South Dallas and I would begin my ministry at 11 p.m. What was the ministry? Standing in front of clubs preaching. Do you hear what I'm saying to y'all? College kid. Because everybody else was trying to get a gig at a church. And I was trying to get God's people in front of a club. And I would preach the gospel. I preached the gospel. One day, you all, the club was closing. It was almost over. Folks were kind of venting out. And I'm preaching. And I'm just preaching the love of God. I'm preaching about sin. That there's a judgment of sin. And God will judge you. And a guy comes out to me and says, shut the uh -uh up. And, and I got louder. And he pulled out a gun. And put it on my, I never forget, put it on my forehead sideways and pull back the trigger. Say one more word and I'm going to blow your brains out. I said, well, first of all, touch not God's, the, the gun is open and cocked on my head. Touch not God's anointed. If I'm going to die, it's, it, it'll happen anyway. And secondly, if I'm not going to die, you better be careful putting your hands on the anointed. Because not only am I not going to die, but it might be your cousin, your dog, the ticks on your dog. I'm saying all this while the guy's gun is on my head. He pulls back and said, dude, don't you know I could kill you? I said, don't nobody take my life. I gave that down a few um, years ago when I gave it to Jesus. He said, you for real, ain't you? I said, yes. He accepted Christ on that corner, joined the church I was a part of, and became a junior deacon. <laughs> and so then I went to Salem Baptist Church. I didn't, I didn't know what it meant to, to be called to a church. Some people auditioned to churches, and they, they, they sent in DVDs or sent a link to their preaching, and, and they had preaching interviews, and I'm going to get in front of the, the, uh, the, the, as a matter of fact, they go to preach at a church, uh, or they go to do a special announcement, and I call it preachers, they sneak a preach. <laughs> Have you heard somebody being invited up to do announcements, and they hooping in the announcements? Uh-huh. And so bottom line, you all, I did not know what it meant to be invited to be on the staff, and he said, I want you to be the youth pastor. I'm like, I didn't even know youth had pastors. And so he said, yeah, I want you to be a youth pastor. And so I got up there with no skills in it, no training in it. Now listen, 
Because there are people that go to school and get degrees in youth ministry. There are people that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but there are people who will submit themselves to rigorous academic training in the areas of certain ministry, believing that that is what will equip them and that is what will anoint them. Listen, I don't think that you should not be equipped. If you're going to be a lawyer and give yourself to your mind in that way, why not give your mind to the things of God? I'm not saying school is wrong, but can I tell you this? School will not anoint you. School will not give you the power of God. School will not give you the favor of God. As a matter of fact, if you're here right now and you've never been to a seminary or you've never been to a Bible college or you may not even know that much scripture yourself, I tell you, if you're called by God and you are anointed by God and you are appointed by God, you can be illiterate and you can break strongholds. You better hear what I'm saying to you. All right, so I'm, I'm at Salem and I'm at this church and, and really what it was is Reverend Meeks didn't want to be bothered with the teenagers. I thought he was just trusting my leadership. <laughs> he said, so you're going to take them and you gonna, y'all, y'all going to have church somewhere else? I said, yes, sir. He said, praise God. Praise God. You go ahead. Go with that. Uh, he never checked up on me. He didn't know if I was giving him Kool-Aid. <laughs> he didn't know what I was doing. He was just glad they weren't in the room. But, and I'll tell you, this is a true story. True story. I'm going somewhere with all of this. He said to me, I just want you to do three things, Carrie, and I failed him. I, I'm public, I'm on, I'm, uh, 20 year, I'm on internet, I, I never did what my pastor asked me to do. He paid me, and I never did what he asked me to do. He said, I want you to do three things. I want every kid to do a, a, a three-minute speech about God. I want them to know all the books of the Bible and something else. Okay, I don't even, listen, it's so bad, I don't even, the, don't even remember what the third ass was. All right. And so it wasn't that I was trying to rebel against what his wishes were, but I'm noticing young people coming in who are raising themselves. I'm looking at young people that are coming in that the only food that they were having were the food that we were offering after church services. I'm watching young people that were coming in that had no idea of God, nor the Bible, nor the things of God. And so you all, I began to open up, I never get John chapter 1 verse 1. And I went verse by verse by verse through every book of the Bible with a bunch of teenagers. Not topical messages, not messages that would be appealing to the to subject matters of the day and things that might kind of titillate their interest. No, no, no. I just took them verse by verse through the word of God because the word of God is spirit and life, not concepts and not ideas, but the word of God. And I watched in front of my eyes thugs and girls who were promiscuous and young people who were dealing uh, with, with stuff in the streets and gang members come to know God. As a matter of fact, one of the young men who we led to Christ on his doorpost, who was the head of the gangster disciples in that nation, neighborhood now he is a pastor of kingdom covenant church and he is a phd just graduate come on now he couldn't read when i met him oh i'm going somewhere today y'all better hear this today and so (laughs) we started asking questions what are the most dangerous places where lost people are in chicago And at that time, it was the projects, Robert Taylor and Stateway Garden and Cabrini Green. And I said, we're getting ready to do some field trips. Everybody else was going to amusement parks and water parks and having little Bible studies afterwards. I said, no, we're going to the projects. 
Well, what time y'all going? Uh, uh, the young people, I guess y'all be going in the afternoon, uh, probably about 3 o'clock, because that's when you would go with your old, you know, old self, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, no, no, ain't nobody up at 3. As a matter of fact, if they was at the club last night, they're not getting up to around 2 or 3 in the afternoon, getting something to eat for to get ready to do the whole cycle again. We going at night. We starting at about 8 p.m. <laughs> Pastor Meek's daughter was in the youth ministry. He said, uh, where are you taking my baby? I said, I'm taking your baby to Robert Taylor Homes. He said, okay, okay. Uh, and what y'all going to do? I said, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to uh, do some of the, 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 the stepping and the rapping and stuff that the young people do. And then we're going to give the, an invitation uh, for people to get saved. He said, okay. He sent his an entire security detail. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not for nothing. His baby was in the crowd. Never will forget this. We were surrounded by about 200 guys in long overcoats with their hands in their pocket like this. And I remember the young people beginning to sing songs of worship and songs of praise and the step team stepping. And I'm getting up to preach the word. And slowly but surely, I saw those guys who were holding those weapons begin to move their hands and lift their hands in worship. And that night, hundreds of them came to know Jesus outside of Robert Taylor home. This was young people beginning, beginning to cut their teeth on evangelism. And watching people far from God. And fast forward, we looked in the newspaper. Where are things happening in the country? Because now we're going to take road trips. We found out there was a, a, a rival gang, uh, the Crips and the Bloods. It was in the newspaper. We're having a big thing down in Little, they called it Banging in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so we went and took a bus filled with young people to Little Rock, Arkansas. And we did the same thing in Little Rock that we did in front of the projects. And hundreds of more people got saved. And then we said, wait a minute, let's go to Skid Row in LA because that's where the, listen we weren't trying to go to Disneyland we were not trying to go to Universal Studios we, as a matter of fact we wanted to go we, we said we pray we can go we don't know how we can go these kids broke our church broke uh, I'm broke we ain't got no money but we can go minister the gospel and so we went and we ministered to the people on Skid Row and we told them about the love of Jesus and we went on Crenshaw Boulevard some of y'all don't know nothing about Crenshaw but Crenshaw is what you, you think the dream cruise is something you need to see how they roll on Crenshaw. I mean, cars coming up and down. And so I asked Greater, uh, what was it? Uh, Crenshaw Christian Center and the one where the main West Angeles Church of God in Christ, can we send some people to your church? They said, surely. I said, well, can some of y'all young people join us? They said, we ain't into that kind of ministry. So that's all right. We went ahead and did that ministry on Crenshaw and hundreds and hundreds of more people got saved. Watch this now. We are staying at the shelter with the homeless people on Skid Row. The director said in all of the years of me directing this place. I've never seen more mature and anointed young people like yours. Come on in the office because I want to show you something. On his desk were stacks of money. He said, I want to give each of your kids $200 cash to go to either Universal or to, uh, to Disney World because I've never seen ministry like this. So I said, the young people came in one by one and we started handing out money. Listen, y'all, money follows ministry. Money follows ministry. 
So then the youth ministry is now up to about a thousand kids. I'm waiting to get to Detroit because with all that success, it meant nothing because y'all had not been born. Because God told me in college, you're going to Detroit, Michigan to start a church and the name of it will be Citadel of Faith. Faith Citadel. That's what you are called to do. So it didn't matter how much success I had in Chicago. It didn't matter how many blessings God gave me in Chicago. It was still not my call. Listen, you all, sometimes God will, sometimes you'll see blessings happen in your life and it will sideline you from your real purpose. You better hear what I'm saying to you. You better be careful now about having money come in your hand and blessings come in your hand. And that is not what God told you you're supposed to really do. Some people are so happy to get a paycheck that they forget that God will supply all of your needs when you get in the sweet spot with him. And some of you all are so bound to jobs and so bound to companies and so bound to businesses that don't care nothing about you that you are not experiencing the real blessing of God because you don't listen because you don't believe that God will actually pay you. <laughs> oh, I'm going somewhere. And so, 2003, a door opens up for me and my wife and my daughter to move to Detroit. And we did. We had no idea about anything. We just left everything that we knew and came to Detroit. Now, you do know most people at that time were trying to get out of Detroit, not trying to move to Detroit. But when God calls you to something, you'll see what other folk don't see. Everybody else was noticing stuff that was, you know, messed up. And, this, and I'm like, look at these people. Though. Look at these opportunities for God. And so listen, y'all, I'm going somewhere, confession. So for the first years now, years of our ministry, all Citadel was known for was reaching people in the streets. Our Bible studies were outside. We refused to have them in rooms when we could have it outside and other people could hear it. But right, listen, y'all, listen, listen. Whether we know it or not, the more difficult we make hearing about God for people who don't know God, it actually makes it seem like we're trying to be a clique. Listen, as much as we think we're making it convenient for people uh, who are already in our circle, you got to ask the question, if the only way we can meet on the internet is the internet, how many black folk can afford internet? Do you realize why young people are not achieving academically? It's because we do not have the same access to internet and computer as other ethnicities. So why would our strategies of evangelism only be tied to methodologies that poor black people can't even get to? But, but, in an absence of thought about how what we do is impacting somebody who don't know nothing about God, we'll continue to do it. So the first few years, you all, all we did was do stuff for people that were lost. We did a thing called hip opera. I wrote an opera with hip hop music. And it, it, it involved a drive-by shooting, and, uh, and, and, and we had one of the funeral homes, cold funeral homes, actually come and bring a casket like it was a real funeral. And do you know that many of our uh, core members, uh, Judy and her brother, they actually thought, because they heard the gunshot. You know in the, black, in, in the hood when you hear a gunshot, you'd be like, where that coming from? 
So folks started coming outside. Channel 7 News covered the, the, the production because there were thousands of people over on 3rd Street in the hood experiencing an excellent production to the glory of God. People got saved and people from the community joined our church and became leaders at our church. But not only that, you all, we realize again that who's out at night? Prostitutes are out at night and pimps are out at night and people are, who the society is thrown away. So we got together and said, when it's cold outside, let's get some hot chocolate and let's get some coffee and let's meet the uh, the sex workers at night and pray with them on the street so we got buses of, of, of our members and we went out on Woodward and we walked up and down the street letting them know God loves you God cares about you God's got a plan for your life and folk were getting saved and people were coming to know him because a church was willing to not condemn them and not judge them but to love them and we love so many people into are you hearing me we help love some people into the kingdom you all not only that we we realize and listen hear this hear it do you all realize that halloween has more decorations than christmas so before halloween got big i knew people like to be scared so let's scare the hell out of people so we did a thing called knights of terror and we did it two times three times and thousands of people over the course of those three times came to know Jesus as we gave people an opportunity to know when you leave this earth there is a real hell and there's real judgment let me show you what it looks like and so they walking through hell and they're experiencing people who made bad decisions in life and they're seeing themselves in those people but they also being scared and they paying money bottom line is we saw thousands and thousands come to faith here it is this is the confession and I'm turning the corner I'm not scared of being killed. Do you hear me? I've, I've, I've had, when we first started shutting drug houses down over on, in, in central Detroit, they said, I know where you live, Carrie, we're killing you. Keep doing that up and you die. And I'm like, God got me. If I'm supposed to die, I'm going to die. But if I'm not, you better be careful who you put your mouth on. I'm not scared of dying. <laughs> I'm not scared really of anything except watch this now my love for people love me out of my anointing listen a member who I love dearly still a member of this church which means that they're faithful they love God and what they said was not intended to hurt harm or have anything to do with the decision that I made but they said pastor Watch this now. Your disorganization, your lack of execution and follow-up is destroying my family. From that day forward, you have not seen me lead any major evangelism initiative, and that's been over 10 years. Because I struggle with insecurity. I know that's not you. But even though I was at Northwestern and even though I was at St. Ignatius, I just knew I wasn't the super smartest. So when somebody who I love is telling me that I love the fact that we're evangelizing, but the way you're doing it, you know you're not organizing, once again, that you're not good enough came back up. And you know that you don't execute and you know you don't follow up and you don't. And I'm like, man, I, I, I can't. I, on my best days, I can't even do that. 
so I'm not going to keep hurting these people that I love who are here to help me. So I'm going to let them take it over. And I'm going to back up and I'm not going to do it no more. But that's where my anointing is. That's where, that's where I come alive. That's where like my meaning is. It doesn't mean I don't love church, but this doesn't excite me, guys. Me just pre- that's why I can go to places and pre- I preached at the, the, the what's the place in, in uh, New Orleans Superdome. I preached in the Silverdome, the Superdome. I preached in front of tens of thousands of people. That doesn't do anything for me. You, are you hearing me? I'd rather see one person in front of University Foods who with special needs but can understand me come to faith than a thousand people clapping and talking about good job, Pastor Gary. I would rather see one person saved than thousands of people comparing me to Jake's or, or somebody else. So in the 19 minutes I got, I just want to just say this one thing. I don't know how long the Lord has me on the earth. I don't know how long the Lord has me as your pastor. But as of today, I have to go back to the old landmark. Your children don't know God. Your children. I'm not talking about what they show you and what they portray in front of you so, you don't, so, they, so that you don't make them get deeper in God. So they give you this, these topical answers to appease you. But they don't know God because the church has become irrelevant. Not only are we not holy, not only do we have no anointing, not only do we have no power, but we cannot even give an articulate answer for what we believe in the midst of these cultural challenges that they face. We're ignorant of the word of God. And I refuse under our watch to watch young people not know God and not know what God has called them to do and not what God has called them to be. And I refuse to see people who are downtown in this gentrifying Detroit just because you white don't mean you are saved. The evangelism has that to go beyond poor people. What is our strategy for reaching business people? So anyway. Oh, I'm doing it. That, that, that. First Samuel. <laughs> Chapter 17, I'm going to follow my time today, I am, but I feel it. First Samuel, and by the way, the subject of the message today is why. <laughs> First Samuel 17, verse 23, hallelujah. And as he talked with them, now this is David coming to bring his brother some food. That's all he's coming to do, a teenager, as a matter of fact, younger than a teenager going to the war and going to the, to the front of the battle line to deliver some food for his brothers that are now on the front line of this war. First Samuel 17, 23, the King James, it says, and, he, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spoke according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of, listen, and all the men of Israel 
when they saw him, fled from him and were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free of it in Israel. Watch this now. And David spake to the men that stood by him. I wish you could see this imagery of men of war arrayed in their battle armament and a kid with a lunchbox. And a kid with a lunchbox is addressing grown people. And this is what David said to the men. What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Out of the mouths of the men came fear. Out of the mouths of the warriors came, we can't do it. But out of the mouths of a babe and out of the mouth of a child came the word, who is this uncovenant person? who stands before the armies of God and defies the army of the living God. Watch this now. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard him spake to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left uh, those few sheep in the wilderness? Uh, he said, Look, Go back to your shepherd's job, little boy. Who sent you down here to have uh, conversations with grown-ups? He says, uh, what about the sheep that you left in the wilderness? He says, I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for you come down that you, uh, that you might see the battle. He said, I know you're too proud to stay in the position that you're in as a sheep herder. And I know how you came to look at the battle. What he didn't understand, Eliab, is that he didn't come to look at the battle. He came to be the only one in the battle. Listen, y'all, be careful who you dismiss. Be careful who you look at because of their age or their stature in life and think that they cannot do a certain thing. Sometimes God will take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I don't know who you are right now, but you don't feel feel like you've got what it takes to be able to stand against something bigger than you. You don't feel like you've got enough education or you don't have enough money or you don't have enough uh, swag or enough influence to come against the things that are coming at you. But can I tell you something? If God be for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. I'm just wondering, are there about three people in this room that know that God is for you? Tell somebody next to you, God is for me. He's for me. He's for me. He's for me. Watch this now. Here it is. Here's, here's, here's the why. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? He said, is there not a why behind the what? When we don't have a significant enough why, what becomes irrelevant? You better hear me now. The church can get involved in a lot of what? And when we ask, what are we doing this for? And it cannot point back to a significant why, we end up losing the very meaning and the very reason for our existence. I, 
the church is not meant to endlessly gather. I know you might think that this is it. This is not the purpose of the church that you come in one day a week, sit down, wait for a sermon. When it's over, get up and go home. That is not the purpose of the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the representative of God in the earth. And it's not about coming. At, all this is is the huddle. The huddle is not the game. This is where you get to play. This is where you get the offense and the defense. This is where you get the training. This is what you get what you got to get. So that when it's time to break and go play the game, you can go do it. But we have made the huddle the game. Is there not a reason? Is there not a cause? Second Kings chapter 7. I'm almost done. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 7. Verse 3 through 9. I don't know who I'm going to run off. But I'm ready to go back to the streets again. And I'm so sorry if it may. If, if, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? My wife will testify to this. I have rarely changed that much. I am disorganized. I don't follow up. But get me in front of some people. You cannot beat me being more anointed to reach people for God. Watch this. So why tie me up in something I'm not good at? Why tie us up in things we're not called to do? Citadel has never been called to just sit. That is not our identity. When we did our brand recognition identity, it came back love. Why? Because I sacrificed evangelism for love. As my pastor say, are you with me or am I by myself? Is there anybody in this room that this is making a little bit of sense to? Listen, some of y'all have joined the church over what it used to be. And when people say, what kind of church you got? Oh, we a church that go out. We a church that hit the streets. We a church that talk to lost people. When was the last time we did it? We cannot talk about what we used to be. We got to be what, what we talk about. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. There were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. These men now are in the middle of a war, and they're leprous men. You can't do no worse than being somebody with leprosy. And they asked the question, why sit here until we die? In other words, why look at our current condition and not do anything about it? I don't know who you are, but, but, but you're looking at your condition and you're saying to yourself, my condition is leprous. My condition is I have no mobility. My condition is that I'm in the middle of a war. My condition is that I have no access to the tent where the food is. My condition says I can't get up. My condition said there is no hope for me. My condition says it is all over. But listen, one of them had enough to say, why though, if we go die, can we die moving? If we're going to die, can we at least be dying on the way to something? If, 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 they, if they do a news report, well, how did they die? They died on their way. 
They died moving. They died trying. And I don't know who you are right now, but the devil has tried to kill your trying. The devil has tried to make you think it ain't worth the fight. The devil has made you think it don't matter no more. You tried it before and it didn't work. And you tried it again and it didn't work. So I'm just going to sit here till I die. Well, the devil is a lie. God called me today to tell you, you are not going to die where you are. It's time to get up. It's time to shake yourself. You might be leprous. You might not walk that good. You might need a little help along the way, but I'm not going to stay where I'm at because if I stay where I'm at, I'm going to always get what I got. Y'all better hear God talking. It ain't even me today. This is God telling you, you shall live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. Your day is yet to come. You think you think you somebody. You think you have seen some eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God what God has called you to do. Oh, I feel him today. Verse 4, verse 4, if, if we say we will enter into the city, this, I love this now, they, 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 they're being logical, we, if, if, we, if we enter into the city, the famine is in the city, there's famine in there and we'll, we'll die there, but if we sit still here, we die also, now therefore come. Let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, at least we'll be alive. If they kill us, we shall but die because we're going to die anyway. You're going to die anyway. So why not die doing something meaningful? Folk don't like you already. So why try to keep adjusting to make folk like you that never liked you anyway. So, so if you're going to die anyway, at least die doing the thing that brings you life and brings you joy and brings you purpose. What makes you want to get up in the morning? What makes you want to fight again? What makes you want, listen, what is it that is so big that it will make sickness back up? The old folk, the slaves would say, I keep so busy working for my savior. Keep so busy working for my master. I ain't even got time to die. What is it that's so big in your life? What vision is so big? What, what dream, what call is so big that it propels you outside of your depression? Listen to me. I've never struggled more with depression the last 10 years than in my life. And the reason for it is the only thing that brings me life is souls coming to faith. And the enemy said, I'm going to take you out of here by letting you depress your way into the kingdom. Well, if I'm going to be down... At least I'm going to be down winning some folk into the kingdom. If, I'm gonna, if the devil going to be against me anyway, at least I'm going to bring some people into heaven with me. Listen, all I'm saying is this. What is it in your life that is big enough to get you to push past you? Because the thing is greater than you. Verse 5. They rose up in twilight. They had the same strategy that I got to go into the camp of the Syrians. When they came to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Watch this. 
For the Lord had made the host, the host, that a host is like thousands, the host of the enemy, the Syrians, to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, and even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, one of the largest armies of the day, and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Watch this now. Four leprous men walking at twilight towards the camp of Syria. And there's these four sickly men with no natural ability of their own were moving. As they moved, God moved just like that. Oh, come on, somebody. You know that. When you move, then God will move just like that. And the reason why sometimes God is not moving, because he has not got anybody moving for him. And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. God can't work with nobody that ain't got nothing that he can give them to work with. These four leprous men walking slow. But while they were walking, God was working. While they were moving slow, God was moving fast. While they were walking, the army of Syria, they said, wait a minute, what's that sound? What is that noise that we hear? They said, oh, wait a minute, it sounds like a big army. Not just, listen, not just the Hittites, but the Hittites and the Egyptians. And it looks like they got horses and chariots and weapons, and they got a whole lot of foot soldiers. And you know what? We don't have enough army power to stand against against them and so listen this great army has been led to run from four leprous men if God can have four sick men have a whole kingdom back up and retreat because they decided to move in the direction of what they knew that could bring them life then what do you think God is gonna do for you what do you think that God's got up his sleeves for you when you start moving listen I'm not saying you gotta move fast I'm not saying you gotta move quickly I'm not saying you gotta have a time limit on how much you move all I'm saying is when God says to go you need to start going in the direction that he says to go you may not know all the steps you may not make all the steps you might need some help along the way but don't you sit where you are don't you remain where you are you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living that is my promise to you from God's word tell somebody next to you you shall live and not die Oh, come on, somebody. I need to tell everybody. Everybody needs to hear. Tell somebody else. Tell somebody. If you got to get up, get up and find them. None of this lazy church stuff. Get up if you got to find them. Who the heck are you think? I'm sweating. Get up and find somebody and tell them you shall live and not die. Shake them if you got to. Get them by the arm and say, come on. Find them, find them, find them. Those that are online, put it in the chat. I shall live and not die. Put it in the chat. Uh-huh, uh-huh, somebody needed that, somebody needed that reminder. 
somebody needed to know I'm not in it by myself I, I can't walk that fast I've been knocked down a lot the people tell me I can't move is there anybody gonna help me move is there anybody gonna walk with me is there anybody gonna sure up the areas that I'm not sure of is there anybody that's gonna help me in the areas that I'm a little weak in that is what the body of Christ is it is the church and we are interdependent last thing I'm gonna I'm finish this last script And they rose up, it says, uh, verse 7, wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. (laughs) While the others walked in the twilight, the others fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Listen, y'all, they were so scared about what was coming to them. They left their flat screen TVs. They left their Mercedes Benz in the driveway. They left, come on now, they left everything that they owned and they fled for their life. Verse 8. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent. (laughs) They ate and they drank. They got silver and gold and they got some clothes. They got some uh, Versace and they, they got some raiment and went and hid it and came again and went into another tent and they got some more stuff there and they went and hid it what does that mean when God blesses me to come into my wealthy place when God blesses me to come into my blessing I can't take the blessing and go and hide it when God anoints me to preach the gospel to the poor when God anoints me to reach the unreachable when God anoints me to reach folk that are far from God I can't take the blessings of God and hide it in a corner I don't know who you are but God has been good to you God has blessed you you may not have what you want you may not have everything that you desire but God has surely been good to somebody but you cannot take the blessings of God and hide it you cannot take the blessings of God and put it under a lampshade let your little light shine so that all will see it and give glory to the father which is in heaven oh i'm done today is there anybody here ready to see god move in your life is there anybody here ready to see young people come to know jesus is there anybody here ready to see the ceo of general motors come to know jesus everybody standing everybody standing everybody standing if you're not comfortable grabbing hands, this don't mean that somebody don't like you. But for some folk, they ain't that okay. That's okay. But if you're comfortable grabbing the hand of someone next to you, would you do it? If you're comfortable doing it. If somebody says, I'm, I'm not comfortable, please don't force them to do it. Not everybody's on the page of grabbing hands yet. That's right, all the way across. If you're not comfortable with doing it, no problem. But I need us to join hands. Those that are online, I know you can't physically join hands with us. But if you would, it's kind of weird, I know. Could you draw near to your phone and maybe just place your hand on the phone or the computer? I just want us to symbolize unity. What is the why behind our what? If the things that we do cannot speak to the call that we are, then all of it's fruitless. Citadel today is a day that will that will be marked because even though we're in post-Christian America 
we don't have a post-Christian Jesus. We don't have a post-Christian God. He's the same God today as he was yesterday and as he will be forever. The hand that you hold might be a leper that needs you to help get them across the finish line. The hand that you hold may be somebody that has been so beat down that they don't feel like they've got a purpose. They don't feel like they've got a, a reason. The hand that you hold may be in the middle of the most darkest moment of their life physically dealing with sickness and disease and the enemy has told them a lie that you ain't gonna make it somebody has a child that's wayward and you don't know when she's coming back home or whether or not he's coming back home but the devil is a lie the righteous seed are blessed even if they don't know it father in the name of jesus thank you now for the church the church never a bunch of people sitting waiting to hear some sermons but the church is the body of christ your hands your feet your lips your eyes your heart Help us, Lord God, to be who you have called us to be. Thank you for Citadel of Faith. Thank you for Faith Citadel, the journey that we've been on. Thank you for how you've blessed us, how you're blessing us even now. Thank you, Lord God, for every ministry, for, for every person that worked so hard to help make this happen week to week and month to month. Thank you. And now, God, we pray that you would help us be reminded of the lost in a more significant and more meaningful way. We'll be so careful, God, to give you glory and to give you honor for what you've done and even more importantly for what you will yet do and it's in the name of the one who recovers it all it's in the name of the one who anoints and appoints it's in the name of the one who has power of heaven and earth in his hand it's in the name of the one who has called you and knows you by name it's in the name of the one who has appointed you before your mama and daddy even knew each other it's in the name of the one who watched out for you when you were not watching out for you it's in the name of the one who kept food on your table and kept your, your lights on and your gas going it's in the name of the one who said I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you Lord I'm with you always even to the end of the age it's in the name of jesus the king of kings jesus the lord of lords jesus the living word jesus the bread of life jesus the chief cornerstone jesus the lily of the valley jesus the kinsman redeemer jesus the savior of our soul it's in the name of the lion of the tribe of judah it's in the name of jesus that we pray and every believer that believed it said amen and amen and amen and amen come on give him praise in the room oh come on don't, don't clap for me if you believe that god is going to do what he said he'd do give him praise if you believe that god is bigger than sin and god is bigger than the world and god is bigger than the enemy then give him praise you better praise him for your own family my family's blessed my children are blessed my body is blessed my mind is blessed my pocketbook is blessed you better hear me now you better praise him like things are turning around praise him like things are turning around praise him like you already see it turning around maybe you're listening and you say pastor i don't know jesus i don't know god I wish I could know him. I don't know how to know him. The Bible says you can know him. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. But pastor, how do I call on his name? All you got to do is just pray. And say, Jesus, I'm not God. But I know you are. And I accept you as my savior. If you don't know Jesus, nothing to be intimidated about. None of us were born Christians. We had to be born again. And if you don't know Jesus, no judgment. But you can know him. Maybe you know him, but you've fallen away. It's okay. God knows that we all mess up but so good that we can get back up again 
And so if you messed up, Jesus is here for you. And he wants to give you an opportunity to draw close to him again. Father, thank you now for the prayers of your people, the prayers of those who have never accepted you, the prayers of others, God, who need to come back home. Hear their prayers. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith.org all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together one person at a time. <laughs>